0: This is 100 Years of Cox. My name is Frances Thompson, and I read the letters written by the 10 Machel Cox siblings through the letters they wrote to each other. I realise that I have not recorded an episode of the podcast for many months. I did actually take a small mic with me to Europe, but I had such a good time and did so much Maitre Cox research that the months rather ran away with me and nothing got written. This is just a short hello to say yes I am still alive and am now back in Australia after a glorious summer spent in the Northern Hemisphere where I managed to miss the Australian winter completely. Whilst I was away I played both hockey and croquet, Vera would thoroughly have approved and I did quite a few park runs as well. I'm currently drowning in much fascinating research and need to decide what to focus on first. After two trips to the Bodleian Library in Oxford, I've many more budget letters to read and share. I spent a weekend in Sydenham, South London, and visited the house on Longton Avenue, where the Cox family lived for many decades. It was surprising how emotional I felt standing next to the actual red post box, where hundreds of letters were posted by the Maitre Cox family, just across the road from their house. Bernard would often write, it's almost midnight, the post will be going shortly, I must stop. Incredible to us today that letters were once being collected from post boxes at midnight. I wandered around Crystal Palace Park, a short walk from the family home, which was the site of the huge glass palace where the siblings went to the first ever Boy Scout rally, where Lord Baden-Powell was described as rather full of himself. On a leafy street in Sydenham, I found the location for the Brooklyn nursing home where Bird, Vera, Mrs Cox and Dr Cox all spent time recuperating during illnesses. In one letter, it was described how Vera had run up Sydenham Hill from the nursing home and declared herself fit to play hockey again at Richmond. In another letter, Bernard has had his appendix removed and is recuperating at the nursing home. He said if he found a pretty nurse, he might propose to her. The Brooklyn nursing home is no longer there but I discovered Brooklyn Cottage, which was once the coach house, and the people who lived there told me all about the huge house, which used to be at the end of the garden. Some fabulous research happened whilst I was visiting the Hockey Museum in Woking. Some hockey scrapbooks from the early 1900s were brought out from the storeroom, and I recognised Vera's handwriting in them, quite remarkable. Vera died in 1974 bill her partner died in 1978 and somehow these four scrapbooks have ended up safe in the museum in woking the scrapbooks were compiled by vera machel cox herself detailing her entire hockey career from 1905 to 1912. every match every score every team list photos of all of them there are details of matches played for atalanta which was her local team, then she joined Kent Ladies, then East, then she got a place in the England team, before becoming captain of England. Vera stuck in photos, newspaper and magazine cuttings, and neatly wrote out lists of players and matches. After Dr Cox died in 1919, Vera spent many decades of her life living at Great Comp near Sevenoaks with her great friend, Frances Heron Maxwell. So I went to visit Great Comp in the Kent countryside, with Katie from the Hockey Museum. There we discovered that the gymnasium, first mentioned in 1907, I think, which was next to the hockey pitch at Great Comp, where Mrs. Maxwell gave tea to hundreds after each hockey match. Well, the gymnasium is still there. When Vera and Max started playing cricket more often, the same building was renamed the Pavilion, and in the 1950s it became a private house. But it's still there, and its garden is very flat. Part of the original hockey pitch. It was very atmospheric. Katie and I decided that we should try and get some female hockey players together in period 1900s hockey costumes and play hockey in front of the pavilion and recreate a hockey match at Great Comp once more. We weren't able to get any of the GB Commonwealth women's hockey team who just won gold but there were six of us, wearing shirts and ties, with skirts down to our ankles, running around playing hockey at Great Comp. Honestly, it was so much fun and I have so many stories of Vera, hockey and Great Comp to tell. In May 2022, I gave a talk on some of my research so far about hockey and my Aunt Vera and budget letters at the Hockey Museum. That talk was filmed and is now on YouTube. If you're interested, type this into a search engine. The Hockey Museum, Vera Cox, Francis Thompson, and the video should pop up. Some of you might remember that I've read some 1820s letters in the podcast. Letters which were written by Matilda Machel, the grandmother of the ten Machel Cox siblings. After Mrs Cox died, Dr Cox found these letters, which were written by Matilda to her favourite brother Christopher. Letters which Mrs Cox had kept, as her uncle Christopher was very special to her as well. Dr Cox transcribed these letters, and Vera and Arthur helped with some of the tricky bits and the typed-up transcriptions were included in one of the Christmas budgets, the special editions which the siblings produced for Christmas. I assumed these letters had not survived, but no, it turns out that Sir Christopher Machel Cox, one of Arthur's sons, was organised, and several boxes of his possessions, including letters and photos, were passed on to the next generation, and I met some distant family members in Gloucestershire, and found many treasures in the attic including Matilda's letters. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. They are indeed crossed letters, as I suspected, which is why Dr Cox and the siblings struggled to read them. If you don't know what a crossed letter is, look up Jane Austen's crossed letters using a search engine. Paper and postage costs were so expensive in the late 1700s and early 1800s that paper was written on once, then rotated 90 degrees and written on a second time. It's really difficult to make out some of the words. There is a 1799 letter written by one of Matilda's brothers to their mother, as well as Matilda's 1820s letters. Some have a postmark and a date, and some still have the red or black wax seal attached. So exciting. So many fascinating stories to share through this podcast. Photos from the 1860s and crossed letters from the 1820s. Wow. I visited Hallam Fields near Derby and my great-grandfather Edmund's former church where the Zeppelin dropped bombs during World War I. At the Lambeth Conference, I talked to the Archbishop of Tanzania about Reverend Aldwyn, the UMCA and the cathedral on the island of Lycoma where Aldwyn lived for many decades. I also visited the offices of the Victoria County Histories in London, a publication which Dr Cox was heavily involved in, and was able to see a box full of letters in their archive, numerous letters written by Dr Cox in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And I also visited the church in stowe on the Wold, where Avis and Cyril were married in 1913. Thanks to newly discovered family members, I've now learned that the correct pronunciation of sibling number nine is Avis. So apologies, Avis, for mispronouncing your name all this time. And my knowledge of the ten Matrilecock siblings and their families has been enhanced by the numerous photos discovered recently, giving a bigger picture and helping me further work out the story. I was working out where to resume the budget letters for 100 Years of Cox when Queen Elizabeth died. I hope you've not had your fill of the British royal family and queues and funeral preparations as I'm going to start season four of 100 Years of Cox with Vera's remarkable letter from May 1910 describing the funeral procession for King Edward VII. His coffin was lying in state in Westminster Hall in 1910. Just like the coffin of his son, George V, also lay in state in the same place in 1936, and then George VI in 1952, and then his daughter, Elizabeth II. Her coffin has been lying in state in Westminster Hall in September 2022. Wilfred, Enid, Vera and Bernard had seats in a stand on the Edgware Road in May 1910 and had a good view of the funeral procession as it headed to Paddington Station and the Royal Train to Windsor and Vera wrote all about it. The coffin of Edward VII rode on the very same gun carriage which carried his mother, Queen Victoria and will now also carry the coffin of Elizabeth II. I will read Vera's first hand account of the 1910 funeral procession in the next episode of 100 Years of Cox. You have been listening to 100 Years of Cox. Thank you for listening.